told you this morning we're going to return to Acts 21, so you can turn there with me. Acts 21. Over the years when uh, Carolyn and I have talked about the challenges of parenting and the challenges of having a large family, it's always done us a lot of good to realize that someday all of our children will be on their own. (laughs) Someday they're all going to be on their own. There's like a limit, you know, to how much time they're going to be allowed to spend. No, I'm just kidding. It's helped us to have that perspective. We were talking about perspective this morning. We're going to return to that thought tonight. Over the years when we've talked about how challenging it can be and how painful it can be, you know, Legos. Have you ever stepped on a Lego in your bare feet? Oh, that's terrible. How painful. That's Carolyn says, that's nothing. Childbirth. Try that one, right? Sorry, dear. Legos are nothing, right? We've talked about, you know, when when the days come, when our children are going to be gone, they're going to be grown up and have uh, begun their own families, uh, things will be very different for us. And we'll wish for, you know, a garage that you can just barely squeeze one vehicle into because there's like, you know, 20 bicycles in there. We'll wish for a laundry pile that never ends. We'll wish for the opportunity to cook a big meal again you know we'll wish for having to put extra leaves in the table to accommodate everyone yeah you'll have it when the when the kids come to visit right there you know we look at those days and we go you know there's going to be a day when we're going to wish we were back in these days you know we're going to say you know that was nothing we could put up with all those painful situations and the difficulty and the you know and and the, uh, the, the admonishment and the correction and the discipline that goes with raising children, you know. We're going to wish we were back there. And so it's perspective. Today we look at things in a different light because we say, well, someday we're going to wish we were back here, so that makes us feel better. Did that ever help you? It helps us, okay? So don't, don't discourage us in that. Well, that's perspective, isn't it? We say, well, you know, someday things are going to be different. We're going to wish that we were back here facing these challenges. Well, As we noted this morning, Paul had a people perspective. He could minister like he did. He could face certain trials. I mean, trials he knew he was going to face. He was warned about many, many times. He could face those because he had a perspective. And and we talked about one of his perspectives this morning, the people perspective. His people perspective was one reason he was able to face the difficulty and the persecution of the ministry that he was doing for Christ. We're going to see as we continue here in Acts 21 tonight that Paul knew how hard ministry could be. And we'll see that he was challenged even by those who were near him, who were close to him, not to go any further. There were those who said, you shouldn't go any further. You're going to face hostility and persecution. You should stop now. And he continued on in spite of that. And he was able to because he had the correct perspective. I challenge you with this, and I challenge myself with this, because whether we're facing the kind of hardship or trial or persecution that Paul has, that we've seen or will see in the coming chapters, whether we've experienced that or not, is beside the point. We know God's word is very clear that those who seek to please the Lord are going to face difficulties, are going to face hardship. So it's good for us to learn the correct perspective 
to begin practicing the correct perspective so when trials do come, we're ready. I'm not saying that we won't fail a time or two and that we may not be discouraged, but that we'll be practicing and we'll have a knowledge of what the proper perspective is. So I bring you to this chapter and I want you to see the correct perspective and and learn from Paul's example here. So as we continue here in chapter 21, we see that he was challenged. He was facing hardship. He was even discouraged by those around him to say, not discouraged, discouraged, but they were trying to discourage him from going elsewhere. We're going to see that in the coming verses. I want you to see another perspective that Paul had. Paul's perspective was a, and pardon me because I don't have catchy, you know, I'm not going to have these catchy phrases here. This morning it was a people perspective. Tonight it's a please God perspective, okay? A please God perspective. You and I need a please God perspective, and we'll see why that's so important. We stopped in verse 4. We're going to begin in verse 4. So look at chapter 21, verse 4. And finding disciples, we stayed there seven days. That's where we ended this morning. And the remainder of verse 4 says this, They told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way, and they all accompanied us with wives and children, till we were out of the city, and we knelt down on the shore and prayed. When we had taken our leave of one another, we boarded the ship, and they returned home. Well, first, before I go too far, I want you to see, we see another glimpse of Paul's people perspective like we talked about this morning and like we saw earlier. Here it is again, and here it is in this departure from Tyre, which was much like the one we saw in, the, in, the verse, in verse 1 this morning when he left the Ephesian elders in Miletus. They'd spent seven days together, these believers, and Paul and Luke and the others with with these believers in Tyre, and they'd spent seven days together. And now they're having to tear themselves away again. They're having to tear themselves away. Here is a group of people that had only been with seven days, and yet they'd formed a bond that we see talked about here. Verse 5 again, When we had come to the end of those days, we departed and went on our way, and they all accompanied us. They all came with them with wives and children, till we were out of the city and we, we knelt down on the shore and prayed. This was a tearing away from one another. They were having to say difficult goodbyes. Once again, it's amazing, isn't it? The bond, the bond of believers in Jesus Christ, these believers who'd only been together for seven days and yet here they are saying, saying difficult goodbyes again. I want you to note here, Paul had a please God perspective though. Verse 4 says, they told Paul through the Spirit not to go up to Jerusalem. Evidently, the Spirit had revealed to them that there was danger ahead, difficulty ahead for Paul, and they didn't want him to face that. They loved him dearly. They did not want him to face this difficulty. Now, I would tell you that some would say Paul shouldn't have gone. Some some uh, biblical scholars look at this and go, well, you know, Paul shouldn't have gone. He had warnings that he, he wasn't heeding the warning of the Holy Spirit. But I don't think he was rebelling against the Holy Spirit so much as he gained strength from the Holy Spirit's warning that hey, certain trials and difficulties are ahead for you. I don't think he was rebelling against the Holy Spirit. We, we really don't see that in the Scriptures. We don't see anyone allude to that other than these folks who came and said, don't go, we love you, please don't go into harm's way. We would have that same kind of an attitude toward those we loved 
who think about it, if you had a, a friend or a loved one who was preparing to go to the mission field and you know that they were going to put themselves right into an area that was extremely dangerous, what would you do? <laughs> oh, good, go, see ya. <laughs> no, we would say, are you sure? Are you seriously thinking about this? I mean, we, you better be serious about it. Please don't, you know, think, think twice about it. We would have a hard time letting them go, wouldn't we? I think that's what we're seeing from these people here. And, and I don't think that Paul was rebelling against the Holy Spirit's instruction to him. I think the Holy Spirit was being very gracious to Paul. I think the Holy Spirit was being very gracious to Paul in, in preparing him for what was ahead. And I think that's the way Paul took it. He took it as a, as a preparation as an indoctrination, the Holy Spirit saying, look out, Paul, you've got hardship ahead. Prepare yourself for it. I think it's very gracious of the Lord to have prepared Paul for that by warning him. Paul knew he would suffer. We noted back when we studied Acts chapter 9, verses 15 and 16, that on the day that Paul was converted, he heard these words. He is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. What a precious privilege, but here's what came with it. Verse 16, For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. He heard that, and he said, Lord, I'll follow you. And we saw it this morning in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 and 23. Paul said, And, and see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. I think that's the grace of God preparing Paul for the trials that were ahead. And then in verse 24 in chapter 20 it says, But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy in the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul wasn't living with an I'll please myself attitude. He wasn't, was he? He wasn't living with a people pleasing I'll take an opinion poll attitude, was he? That wasn't his perspective at all. He wasn't out to please himself and he wasn't out to please people either. He was out to please God. He was serving to please God. He had a please God perspective. His mind was settled on the fact that he was living to please God and not himself and that he wasn't living to please others either. That's, that's a perspective we all need to come to grips with. Answering for yourself the question, who am I living for, will reveal a lot about your perspective on life and ministry. It's hard for us, isn't it, because we want to please others. If we're not too self-centered, we do want to make those around us happy about the way we, we live and treat them, and we want people to like us, so we struggle with this, don't we? I'll tell you, we, I'll speak for myself. I struggle with this as a pastor. I want everyone to like us as a church. I want everybody to like me as their pastor. But I have to be very careful that, that I'm trying to please God and that I'm not trying to please people, right? I think we all need to come to grips with this, and I think our attitude in that way and, and who am I living for, answering that question, will reveal a lot about our perspective on life and ministry. If you're living to please yourself or others, you're going to be, you're going to be very dissatisfied. If you're living to please yourself, if you're always trying to make other people happy, I think you're going to be very dissatisfied with life. We don't see that in Paul, do we? 
We don't see that in his example. He wasn't trying to please people. Otherwise, he'd have said, oh, really, you don't think I should go? What should I do? He didn't, he didn't ask what they thought he should do. We don't see it here. So if you're living to please yourself, you're living to please others, you'll, you'll ne- really never be satisfied. But if you're living to please God, you'll, you'll know that your life is not your own, but it's God's, and you'll live for God's glory and not your own. That's, that's a step in the right direction to having a please God perspective, knowing that your life is not your own, right? Knowing that what you live is for God's glory. Another evidence of Paul's please God perspective is seen in his commitment to prayer. In verse 5, we see that as they were saying goodbye to the believers at Tyre, they knelt down on the shore and prayed, didn't they? There's a similar scene back in Acts chapter 20, verse 36, when they're saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. Look at it with me. Go back to Acts chapter 20 and verse 36 real briefly. Keep your finger here in in chapter 21. Acts 20, verse 36, And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. I think that's another glimpse of Paul's please God perspective. He prayed a lot. Paul was a man of prayer, and he relied on the power of God and the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. So he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed again, and he kept praying. He was yielded to the work that God was doing. So he prayed. He wanted God to use him, so he prayed to God. He wanted to please God, so he prayed. I think Paul's please God perspective wouldn't allow him to take it easy either. It wouldn't allow him to shrink back from his duty to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was work to be done, and Paul was relying on the strength of God to do it. He was relying on God's strength in his life, to do the work that God wanted him to do. And we see Paul's please God perspective in his unwavering attention to God's priorities, which makes him an example of how to remain level-headed, how to remain reliable when others give up and when we're tempted to give up ourselves. Paul's please God perspective can be seen in that unwavering attention to God's priorities. He was concerned about what God was concerned about. And again and again he said, I serve God. I serve to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to look at verses 7 and 8. Go back to chapter 21, verses 7 and 8. And when we had finished our voyage from Tyre, we came to Ptolemais, greeted the brethren, and stayed with them one day. On the next day, we who were Paul's companions departed and came to Caesarea and entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. There's more evidence here that Paul wanted to please God more than people. I hinted at this this morning, too. He was... He was more about pleasing God than he was enjoying his own comfort. In fact, uh, when he arrived in Caesarea, he entered the house of Philip the Evangelist as an indicator of, again, he was seeking to please God and not himself. I want you to think about the picture here. Do you remember Philip? You remember Philip from earlier in Acts? Warren Wearsby says this, Philip was one of the original deacons, Acts chapter 6, who also served as an evangelist. It was now some 20 years since he had come to Caesarea and made it his headquarters, since Philip had been an associate of Stephen. Starting to put it together now. Since Philip was an associate of Stephen, 
Wiersbe says, and Paul had taken part in Stephen's death, this must have been an interesting meeting. I alluded to it this morning. Had it been myself, I would have had a hard time going and saying, hey, Philip, um, we're brothers in Christ now. You know, I had Stephen taken out back there. And, you know, remember me? That's okay. I'm on your side now, right? Let bygones be bygones. I'd have had a hard time with that. I think we would, wouldn't we? We'd have a hard time facing someone who we thought might have something against us from our past. But Paul had, even though Paul had been Philip's enemy, now Philip is showing hospitality to Paul. What great maturity on Philip's part, right? Why? Because they're now brothers in Christ. Remember the bond? The brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Paul and Philip are now brothers in Christ. And they could... They could look at the past and say, that was then. This is now. We're brothers in Christ now. So Philip showed hospitality, allowed them to stay with him. You know, that fellowship that brothers and sisters in, in Christ share is a sweet fellowship and one, one we can really miss if we aren't careful. We don't want to overlook the importance of the bond. And that's why we gave emphasis to this in the service tonight as we were preparing for the Lord's Supper, I wanted you to think about this common bond we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a a precious gift from God. And we ought to be very careful that we don't overlook the importance of it. Let me just challenge you with a couple of thoughts here when thinking about this. When there's hardship, when there's difficulty, or when there's disagreement with someone in the church, how do you deal with it? How do you deal with that? Do you withdraw and draw yourself into your shell and avoid that person with whom you are experiencing a difficulty? Or do you overlook your own comfort and take steps to bring healing to that relationship for the glory of God? See, much of how you respond will reveal what your perspective is. And if you have a please God perspective, you'll overlook your own comfort levels and you'll say, you know what, I need to take steps to correct this this tear in our relationship to mend this problem. If things don't go our way, do we do we have the I'll take my Bible and go home attitude? Right? Or do we say, wait a minute, I'm a part of this bond we have through Jesus Christ. We're brothers and sisters of Christ. I'm part of this family. I'm going to do, do what I can to mend this torn relationship. God's love does, doesn't it? Absolutely. Where we have the please God perspective. I think how you respond to those kinds of situations and those difficulties reveals what your perspective is and whether or not you do have a please God perspective. If, if, uh, if you and I have the please God perspective, we're going to overlook our own comfort levels and do what we can to please God and to bring glory to God's name. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll always please people, doesn't it? And that... That was certainly Paul. He wanted to please God. He did not always necessarily please people. But he strove to please God at all times. We have a wonderful example of the please God perspective both from Paul and Philip here, don't we? Now, does your please God perspective mean that all your relationships will be healed? Not necessarily. And that is painful, isn't it? And that's something that we deal with as a church. We don't always get to heal those relationships. We don't always get to bring everything back together the way we want it. 
But I remind you, we are to strive to please God. We are to do all we can to bring to bear all the wisdom we have from God's word into the situations that we're in the midst of and trust God for the results. Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 15:58, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I take great courage and great comfort from that passage. Many things can be done in vain but not your service for the Lord, not your please God perspective. That is not in vain. And though all of our relationships may not be healed, after you've done everything you can and after you've prayed and prayed and asked for God's wisdom and God to have all the glory, that that relationship may not be healed, but that is not in vain, is it? Because all the work that you do for God's glory, for The Lord, all your labor is not in vain in the Lord, is it? And I take great comfort and great encouragement from that, and I want want you to do the same as we serve together as a body of believers. Now look at verses 9 through 11. Verse 9, Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied, and as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea, When he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And verse 12, Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. There was extreme hardship ahead wasn't there there was going to be extreme difficulty ahead for Paul but Paul's please God perspective gave him a holy courage didn't it a holy courage to face extreme difficulty with an attitude of of resolve almost an attitude of calm it was as if he didn't care he was not concerned about that because of Paul's please God perspective he wanted to please God with his life So Paul's perspective gave him a holy courage to go forward into the face of difficulty rather than run away from it, didn't it? And I believe God used Paul's difficult missionary journeys, the ones we know that Paul went through, the shipwreck, many things over the years of Paul's ministry. And I believe God used Paul's difficult missionary journeys to prepare him to face even more complicated challenges that lay ahead. And I think that's true for you and me as well. I know it is. God will allow us to face certain trials and difficulties and even and even torn relationships with people that we can't seem to mend on our own strength. And I think he will grow us and mold us and shape us if we have a please God perspective. And I think he will use us for his glory when we yield to him. I see God bringing Paul along and warning him to strengthen him and allowing him to go through difficulty by difficulty by difficulty to raise him up and encourage him in the days ahead to, to know that God was there all along. That's why he was able to go forward even after the believers there pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. They loved him dearly. They didn't want to see him suffer. And I say, here's the answer of a child of God with a please God perspective. Look at verse 13. Here's the answer of a child of God with a please God perspective. Then Paul answered, 
What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. There's a child of God with a please God perspective. I'm prepared. He's ready. He says, I'm ready also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And what follows is a wonderful example of a child of God used by God even. And I want you to see this, to lead others in ministry. Look at the remaining verses, 14 through 17. I want you to look at with me. Verse 14, so when he would not be persuaded, he ceased saying, the the will of the Lord be done. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Do you note that? It says, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. Also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them a certain Manasseh of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. I say that what we see here is a wonderful example of a child of God that is used by God to lead others into ministry because he had a please God perspective. Believers with a please God perspective model a holy courage that makes it possible for others to follow and say, you know what, he's got courage. He's got the courage of the Lord. We just tried to convince him not to go, and he's going anyway. He's going to face certain trial. I can follow that man. Let's go with him. And that's what we see. How's your perspective? You have a people perspective that helps you see your role in God's kingdom as it is a messenger for Christ to those who need him. Do you realize that you need to have a people perspective if you're going to face your day with an attitude that you're going out into your day to please Christ and to live for him and to tell others about Christ with your life and with your, uh, your testimony? Do you, have a, do you have a please God perspective that helps you in your service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Is your perspective one of, I'm going to please God? I may not please people all the time. I may not be able to please those who, who would like me to do other things, but I'm going to please God. Is that your attitude? And does that help you to do what pleases God? And are you undeterred by thoughts of pleasing others and undiscouraged by those who will not go with you? How's your perspective? I would say in closing tonight, I would ask you this question. Is your perspective shaped by your trust in God to lead and provide for you, for his glory? Is your people perspective and your please God perspective shaped by your trust in God to lead you and to provide for your every need when you depend upon him? It needs to begin there, doesn't it? You need to realize that you have a loving Heavenly Father who cares for your every need and will provide for you as we see, as we'll continue on. We're going to see Paul provided for and cared for and built up and encouraged even though he is in the midst of hardship. God was there and God used him greatly. And God can use you and God can use me and this church for his honor and glory. If we will yield to him, And if we will work into our thought process and into our lives a please God perspective and a people perspective. It goes right with that phrase, doesn't it? Loving God, loving people, right? I trust that's your heart, your desire. I pray that it is. I pray for you, and I trust you'll pray for me and pray that we will be working together for the cause of Jesus Christ with the proper perspective. Amen?
Stand with me, would you please? Let's close with a word of prayer tonight, asking for God's help. It is his help that we need the most. Precious Savior, we come to you again tonight reminded of how you loved us so, so much that you sent Jesus Christ. We're reminded around the the Lord's Supper tonight as a family of believers, the family of God, that we, we are cared for in a very special way. And we have a special bond, but it is in Jesus Christ that that bond is founded. And we're so thankful for that. Lord, as we've been to the scriptures again tonight, we've been encouraged and reminded of how we need to focus on you and your desire for our lives and for your church and your ministry in and through us. And I pray that you would strengthen us and embolden us and help us to yield to you and depend upon you and trust in you. Lord, help us to really, truly have a people perspective, one that sees the people that we interact with every day and realize that those are people for whom Jesus Christ died and they need the gospel. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to face every day with a please God perspective as well. That we would do all we can to bring great glory to God and honor to his name and honor to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless. You're dismissed.